It is four past twelve. Dan Malecki joining us now looking at harness racing. G'day, Dan. How are you? I'm well, Sean. How are you? I am very well. Just talking with Mick Stanley, Rock and Roll Do. This is an this is like an Inter Dominion field, I reckon, on Saturday night for the Pet Stock Ballarat Pacing Cup. It is. It's the best lineup I think I've seen in a in a, a cup, and I'm including the the Victoria Cup and the Inter Dominion for that matter. So, uh, the inclusion of the Kiwis adds so much to it, and we've got three in the race this year uh, with I Cast No Shadow, the Inter Dominion uh, winner, the two Victoria Cup winners of the last couple of years, and Max Delight and Rock and Roll Do, and uh, and the Kiwis being Cranbourne, the Shepparton Cup winner. Copy that is a two-time New Zealand Cup winner, and uh, and also uh, Old Town Road is a very good horse. So the depth is really there and I'm looking forward to it but it's typical of the Ballarat Cup you only have to go through uh, the uh, record of the winners which we did yesterday uh, to a degree and it just highlights what a good race this has been over a long long period of time. Now you'd be rapt to see the uh, inside of the front an emergency. Oh, yeah, I'm not a big fan of that. I don't know why. I mean, the powers to be obviously don't understand um, gambling and uh, wagering too much, do they? I, I would think, which is unfortunate, because when a horse is in the field and it's an emergency, uh, the problems are if it gains a run and something else is scratched. So when you think of it, there's probably a, a, an 11-to-1 shot that that is going to happen, isn't it? And uh, that just changes the markets, and therefore it's not inviting for anyone to have pre-post betting on it. So... Uh, one day it'll probably happen, but I'll probably be be retired by then. Um, the makeup, <laughs> well, in a track like this, you haven't got a sprint lane. You know, other tracks yeah. you've got a sprint lane and you can get away with it to a smaller degree. But I, I just don't understand why that's not the case. Everyone would take their medicine if you knew you were the first emergency and you drew outside the front line. Uh, I don't think anybody would have a problem with it mm-hmm. because when you're in an emergency and you get a run, you should feel lucky that you've well, got a run. Exactly. But double whammy is to draw well uh, as well. It's almost like it's a a slight head start. Yeah, we used to be on cartwheels during the field, wouldn't you? That, oh, absolutely. Yep. I mean, if you got into a Melbourne Cup and you drew barrier 24, I think you're going to take it, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I don't think you're going to worry too much. No. Now, rock and roll do. Uh, say the emergency doesn't get a run, he'll come off the front. Can he lead them, do you think or not? I don't think so. I, I wouldn't have thought so. Not on what we've seen on a couple of occasions there, and particularly this time... Uh, 2,700 metres, so it's a longer trip. So to want to come off the gate humming, because uh, there's a bit of speed initially uh, outside of him, Cranbourne and also for Torrid Saint. Um, so I don't know if they'd really want to push him unless he felt good. And because there's a new driver on board, Anthony Bart, he might get that different feel. I've got no doubts Rock and Roll Do is capable uh, when he can show the gate speed, but often it's his strength mid-race and towards the second half of the race, which uh, will get uh, him the, the prize as opposed to being pushed out at the start. So uh, in this case, after what happened to him at Bendigo, I think he, the boxes he needs to tick is get around safely and find the line strongly. And I, I would think whatever he does here, he can improve on. Notwithstanding, he's got a good gate and he can draw well. He can finish off his races very strong after a, a soft run in transit. He's done it before. So the expectation of having to lead, I don't think it's that important. I've seen plenty of horses win Ballarat mm. Cups from three back the inside, and that's probably where I expect him to be. Now, Cranbourne led the other night and won at Shepparton, and uh, they're going to, looking at taking him to America for mile races, but has he got the pace to lead this? 
Yeah, look, I think so. And having a chat with Nathan Jack yesterday, he, he certainly thinks it's more likely than not likely. Um, copy that. is uh, not really known for his brilliant gate speed. He can push forward, and he might try to do that, copy that. Uh, Torrid Saint's the one that's got the blinding gate speed, but he would look to take a trail over the longer trip. He's often led and then taken cover. Um, Cranburn, uh, he might get that retake and an opportunity to go around Torrid Saint or be able to hold him out initially anyway. He proved he's pretty good in front. Front. Uh, but he's no one-trick pony, Cranburn. Um, we've seen a number of his performances mm. in New Zealand, and he's most adept wherever he settles in a field. So uh, the fact that he's got a good gait and the likelihood is he would cross rock and roll do, there's a fair chance that Nathan Jack would uh, would try to hold the lead. Uh, I cast no shadows, best known as a Sid Sprinter. Even though he's got gait speed, but he drew inside Cranburn last week and couldn't keep him out, so you wouldn't think he could do that this week. And Honolulu Bay is first up. Um, since the Inter-Dominion Grand Final. And while I'm sure he'll be forward and ready to go, uh, Hunter Cup's two weeks away, last thing you'd want is a gut buster and uh, to do more than what you should, particularly at the start of the race. It's all right having a tough run for the last 1,600, but when you're working hard right at the start in a 2,700-metre race and then all out on your feet, it can then jeopardise what else is coming up in the next few weeks or bigger targets. So I think Honolulu Bay, uh, they'll err on the side of caution. Mm. Doesn't mean he won't come out, but I don't think he'll come out all guns are blazing trying to lead. It's interesting, Cranbourne, when you look at his form, a lot of his runs in New Zealand were all this distance around this area, 2,600, 3,000, 3,200. That was his go. Yeah, well, in New Zealand, you, you do get a lot more staying races, unlike here, uh, and that's why the Kiwis over such a period of time have been so dominant in races of about 2,600 and above because they have so much more opportunities in New Zealand, plus the standing start races. Not that we have them for paces now, but they have plenty of more options of staying races because they also have standing starts. So this horse can come across, uh, and for the races that he's set for, Ballarat Cup's 2,700, a uh, similar distance for the for the Hunter Cup, so you need stayers, and the Kiwis are the best at producing them, as they have done in the Gallops world for many, many decades. What about copy that? He, he seems, well, he, his best form seems in New Zealand for some obscure reason, doesn't it? Yeah, I, look, in a way, I'm treating him like he's two different horses. There's yeah. the the copy that New Zealand and the copy that Australia, and they're about 100 yards apart, yeah. maybe more. But on his recent form, he's twice the New Zealand Cup winner. He's gone back after an indifferent preparation here during the middle of the year that went up and around the Victoria Cup, and he did underperform. He had a gut buster on one night, and whether that affected him, uh, but uh, he's since come back and he looks at the top of his game. Harness Racing, and we're looking at the um, Petstock Ballarat Pacing Cup, the Group 1, on Saturday night. As we're saying, Dan, the uh, the front line, you'd uh, you'd cop any of those horses in your stable. You wouldn't worry which one you got. <sighs> If you lost the toss, you'd be happy, wouldn't you? Exactly. Um, hey, don't you love that name, Angus Anchovy oh, at the what Meadows? A good name. <laughs> I, her mum, uh, or that—it's uh, a he. It's a, it's a, it's a dog. But um, the dam is Lucy Lobster. So Lucy Lobster has produced Angus Anchovy. I think it's a classic. <laughs> Fantastic. Now the second row. How's this face up at Ballarat? Old Town Road, he's a pretty smart horse. Uh, he, he's had a bit of a break since his last run. He comes through all of the key uh, feature races in New Zealand. He's very good. Don't underestimate him. He might go in as the second or even third seed now that we've seen Cranbourne, but um, I'm, I'm sure he's right up to it, uh, right up to winning a race like this. Mac Dan's first up from a break. He's going to get a good run through Mac Dan because even though he's, he's been freshened up, he, he ran fourth first up in the Hunter Cup last year, so he can perform well in big races fresh. 
Barrier two on the second row. Now, there, here comes the, the, the emergency factor. If the emergency doesn't get a run, Cran, he follows through Cranbourne. And MacDan's a good beginner, following through a good beginner. So he can get into a really handy spot, MacDan, and I give him a winning chance. Even though he is first up or freshened up, he'll track through behind Cranbourne. Now, that's on the proviso that interest-free doesn't get a run as first emergency. If he does, that changes that around a fair bit because MacDan follows through rock and roll do, and it would make it a bit more challenging to find a, a more prominent spot. Triple Eight, look, Triple Eight's last couple of runs have been okay, but this is much more challenging again. Uh, Majestic Cruise has been off his game, but he had to sit without cover, and they were just simply too slick for him in the Shepparton Cup. He can improve. Major Meister's just been going from strength to strength. This, again, is his toughest test, but he's well and truly deserving of that. And, and Max Delight's not had much luck with the barrier draws. He needs the pace on, a really good sit sprinter, but it's going to be a challenge from out there. Um, I would think uh, whoever is able to lead here, and I suspect it's going to be Cranbourne. Uh, if anything, maybe copy that might tackle for the lead mid-race. They're the horses that have the biggest advantage. The horses on the back row, the one I like the most would be Mac Dan, but of course Major Meister, uh, the new Major Meister, we haven't quite seen where his ceiling is, and he's the other one I've got great respect for. Old Town Road's Awkward enough barrier draw, but I know he's good enough. And because it's the third leg of the quaddy, and if we can find a few uh, narrower legs in the first two, in your wider quaddy, I'd certainly throw in Old Town Road as well. Dude, it made some maestro, hasn't he? Found a bit since Jason Grimson took him over training. Yeah, look, even in the last 12 months, I remember him coming back from injury. He'd had a, a, a broken bone in, in his uh, in his leg, uh, and that was at the start of last year. So virtually 12 months ago when he came back from a spell, and he's changed stables, and he's gone from strength to strength. A horse, a horse with gait speed, but also showed his tremendous strength in an extraordinary win uh, last time in the Bendigo Cup because he's the horse that ran into the back of Rock and Roll doing Mick Stanley at about the 600, got checked himself, uh, lost his balance, lost a bit of ground, picked up again and still got up and won. It was, it was actually uh, quite extraordinary. You had to go back and look at the replay again and again just to make sure you had the right horse. So he's never raced better, Major Meister, and um, a bit similar with his form to last year with Spirit of St. Louis who took all of those country cups uh, right up to running second in the, the Hunter Cup, uh, Major Meister at this stage looks like a, a similar type of horse as he's got that similar picket fence form line. On clear these totes, the Meadows, Dan, 5, Angus Anchovy, 682.50, 7, Redeemer Blue, 140, 2, Yarrell Bale, no third, and 4th, 8, Redeemer Rusley. Quinella, 420, the Exactor, $20.60, Trifecta, $40.40, the 4.64.40 after race one at uh, the Meadows. When... Actually, just looking, you see trainers have a, a real run. Jason Grimson just seems to be having one of those at the moment, doesn't he? He's got some nice horses. Yeah, all horses that uh, weren't initially in his stable. So uh, gets horses, uh, obviously identifies them. Maybe not that differently to what an Andy Gath can do with some of the New Zealand trotters that he's brought over, and Pacers for that matter. Uh, and in this race... Um, you got horses like Majestic Cruiser, who used to be a, was an ex-Victorian horse. Um, uh, I used to see him run around in areas, and uh, he, he wasn't that strong. Uh, he always had a bit of a potential, but he was never really living up to it. Uh, so Majestic Cruiser joined the stable, went over to New Zealand, performed well in some of their biggest races, and over here as well. Major Meister, a newcomer to the stable. He's only had three starts, three wins. And even I cast no shadow. I remember him in the early days as very much a, a really good sit sprinter. He could peel off a, a, a very fast last uh, quarter and a last 
last half and he was an ex-Kiwi that was uh, domiciled in Victoria for quite some time but he sort of plateaued out when he got the right opportunity he could win but he was very much a, a Goldilocks sort of a horse everything had to turn out right the pace you, you had to be on and has uh, changed stables and uh, well he ended up winning the Inter-Dominion uh, Drew Barrier 1 which probably helped but uh, his run last week was also very good fresh and that was behind Cranbourne so yeah he has got um, well he's got terrific chances three very good homes three very good horses now Dan also Saturday night we've got the EB Cochrane Trotters Cup the group three and uh, can is just believe a good thing in this or not and I know he's a good thing, but uh, he's the one we have to respect the most, uh, coming off the back of winning the Inter-Dominion uh, Grand Final, but also dominating the series. He, he, he won all of his heats and the Grand Final, and he did it in style. Because um, he, he comes off a bit of a break, and there is a big field here, and there's good depth in the race, it will be a, a bit of a challenge. Um, he's probably the horse that I'm going to put on top because he just knows how to win. Uh, he's found uh, that... Uh, form. Uh, he's got better, I think, through the course of the preparation with Jess Tubbs and Greg Sugars. And, and even yesterday when we, we talked to Greg, I, I had to make mention that the fact was the time that they've had the horse for, and I noticed the improvement of the horse, even if you had to equate it to, to lengths, it might have been two to three lengths, it might have, might have been more, but I saw it through the course of the, that long preparation that he had. So with a bit of a break, um, there's every chance that he can actually still improve a little bit, which is scary. If he does do that, he'll dominate the trotting ranks and he might be a good chance of doing it anyway. What are the main dangers? Well, the, the barrier draw is done on stake money the last four starts, so effectively all the good form is on the back row and you can easily identify that. Most of the horses there have got ones and twos next to their names, so that makes it challenging, uh, but also it makes it uh, a very interesting contest and opens up the race. I think on the front line, the way Sleepy's going, and Kiang Lavana, two of the mares, I think they've got terrific chances. And the fact that Pinkalas was a much improved run in that stand behind Kiang Lavana and Hamilton brings her into it. So there are horses that would have been drawn on the back row that you probably wouldn't be giving much chance to. Mafasa Metro gets an awkward draw. He's capable of winning. I'm Ready Jet should be spot on for this. Drawn two on the back row, and she might follow through if Sundon's courage starts from two and the emergency doesn't get a run and all that sort of stuff. Um, I'm Ready Jet can punch through into a good spot. She's a quality mare. Don't Care's in great form, and the form around Don't Care uh, from that Group 1 Vic Bread final, it's probably the strongest form line that we've got in the trotting ranks at the moment. Having seen that, well, Elder Baron Zeus has come out of that race and won a Group 1, and, and Loxley Lover, who, who won that race as well, um, so the form line couldn't be better. And then you've got Just Believe, who, who goes in as the number one seed, and Hopeful Beauty has really upped her game. She's in career best form. So uh, I can make a case for so many horses here, which makes it... Um, uh, a real a highlight, a race to look forward to. I, I think I'll stick with Just Believe, but you know, you could ask me about any horse in that race, and I could put a positive slant on their chances. Now, Dan, I'm going to mention a name because he, I know you're excited, and I'm just wondering where he is. Have you heard anything? Captain Ravishing, what's happening? Yeah, we're going to see Captain Ravishing shortly. He'll be running at Melton in two weeks' time uh, in the uh, four-year-old Bonanza. Now, I'm not sure if they'll look at a race the week prior or not, but the, the aim was certainly to go through the four-year-old Bonanza. So a chance he could run in that first up, uh, but there is other options the week prior at Melton. But the, the plan of attack is the four-year-old Bonanza, and then that'll lead into the Chariots of Fire. Now, the winner of the uh, four-year-old Bonanza automatically gets a start in the Chariots, although good luck to the 
person that's going to leave him out. There are a couple of other races in the lead-up to the Chariots, of course, in Sydney, and the aim, ultimate aim would be then to go on to the Miracle Mile. So some of the biggest races going around in the next couple of months for Captain Ravishing, uh, and I've got no doubt that if he is the same horse that uh, we saw uh, through the Breeders' Crown, uh, good luck to anything trying to beat him. But the four-year-old ranks now are very strong. They are very strong. We've got a couple of really good Kiwis that are, that are coming over. Uh, Leap the Fame has already beaten Captain Ravishing before, and he should not be underestimated. Uh, catch a wave. Andy Gath's going to give him a chance to be able to, to knock him off, and he's got great speed. So the depth is really there at the moment, and sometimes that's the best way that we can rate a, a top-class champion uh, horse. doesn't matter what code it's in, but it's by the depth of their rivals. And in the four-year-old ranks, the depth I don't think has been as high for a long, long time. So look forward to Captain Ravishing in two weeks in the four-year-old Bonanza, a race that uh, I think over the last 10 years has probably been the uh, the race with the best form line of any race in Australia. Have you heard any uh, info as to how he's working, what the feel is from the, the steward camp? Uh, well, I think there was one day there, the report was that uh, the National Aeronautics Society uh, <laughs> thought that there was a UFO, some sort of unidentified flying object around the Ballarat cardigan area there. So I suspect they might have been talking about him. I, I, I'm not sure. What about the other youngsters, the Lost Storm, those that, from that group? Yeah, well, some of those horses as two-year-olds, they had long preparations, mm. uh, some going through the Breeders' Crown and the Vic Bread towards the back end of the year. So they're needing the paddock. And that's why some of the fields are a bit light on. Or, or there's no three-year-old races, not as many. There's not a lot there. The, the better three-year-olds are all out. Some having a little freshen up before they might head to Sydney for the Derby and for the Oaks, which come up pretty early in the year. Uh, others are having uh, a longer break uh, because of the long season that they've had. Uh, and also, even with a two-year-old race, which, look, there are two-year-olds that are genuinely two-year-old races now, but they're not programmed. Now, I'd like to say they're not programmed because there's not enough two-year-olds around, but I don't think that's the case at all. I know plenty of people have got two-year-olds, um, and uh, they've not been able to get runs uh, with them, and they're not even certain with the, the calendar or what's out when they can run their two-year-olds. So something's got to be done about that. I've said that in the last couple of years, and it's a bit disappointing because I know plenty of people now that are not breeding and are not wanting to have two-year-olds because they know they just can't get runs. Uh, one rule that I, I'm not a fan of, I don't like, in fact, uh, I think should be scrapped completely is the uh, must have a field of six to, to put a race together now I understand for any other race uh, but I think for two year olds you've got to lower that uh, to make it fields of four so people, the newer investors, the newer horses get experience, opportunity to win prize money, if they're getting pieces of that pie for two year olds they're more able to breed horses uh, and they're more able to uh, invest again so uh, again even at this time of the year we used to have some feature two year old races going through the, the carnival, uh, and that's not the case. They've only just turned two, so it's very early on in the season, but the seasons are a bit different now. The way they're able to breed horses, they're actually a bit more advanced than when they used to be uh, because they can still uh, fall down in, in uh, the, the latter part of the year and when they don't actually turn two, two more than two years later. But um, as a result of that, no two-year-olds uh, races and limited three-year-olds. That's why you've seen eight race cards at the last two Country Cup uh, Saturday nights at Shepparton and Bendigo. And I noticed race four at uh, Ballarat for the three-year-olds is only seven runners, and that not a big field. 
No, and that's for three-year-old fillies. Mm. Uh, to be fair, though, there's a couple of really nice types of three-year-old fillies, and some of them, uh, the Michael Stanley has got two in there, Soho Lamine, Soho Seraphine, and Jess Tubbs trains the Huntress. They're all pretty handy uh, mm. fillies, so they might also be dipping their toe in the water to go up to Sydney for the Oaks, and you'll probably find a similar type of three-year-old Colts and Geldings race next week where um, there will be some horses there plotting uh, a uh, raid on Sydney in the feature events. But the majority of them are out for little bits of breaks at the moment. The ones that are just under the Group 1 class, uh, they go for a bit of a break and they probably uh, try to miss uh, the top-class horses and uh, get that opportunity to, to have a good spell. It's probably the best opportunity those younger horses get. The, three, the two-year-olds at Turn 3 I'm talking about, that's the best opportunity they get to have a spell, to be able to grow, to be able to mature that little bit more. And again, it's the start of a long season because as a three-year-old, all the rich races, all the best races are in the second half of the year. Mm. Now, can you find a winner anywhere for us, Dan? Is something perhaps we should keep our eye on? Maybe Saturday night, Ballarat, is there one stand out there or whatever? Yeah, there's. look, I've been following So What, race one, horse number 12, and even though she's drawn poorly, I'd suggest as soon as the odds come up, have something on her each way because she always firms, and you need to back her each way because I'm not sure if she's remembered how to win. So, I, I look, she could come up $5, she could come up $26. So if she's closer to the latter, uh, I'd be having something each way on, uh, on her. Uh, and also in race number two, uh, again, number 12, 12 is not really the best barrier draw <laughs> at, um, at, uh, at Ballarat. But the way Huli Nien's going, and I just see him as dropping in class here, and I think he's really well placed. Race two, horse number 12, driven cold, come with one run. Again, he might open at pretty good odds uh, also. So uh, try the number 12s at a bit of value. Race one, number 12, so what? Race two, number 12, Huli Nien. And still trying to work out who am I tip in the cup. Uh, mm. I can make cases for all of them. I, I just, I don't know whether I go with a New Zealand copy of that or the Australian copy of that. It's like two completely different yeah. horses. But uh, the best of copy of that would write rightfully be a, about an even money favourite, I reckon. It's interesting, and how he's just performed better over there. It is, it is odd. There's probably uh, examples of mm. horses in both codes over a long period of time, but um, uh, we, we had a chat with a stable foreman yesterday, and, and you know, after listening and uh, understanding what the horse had either gone through or where he's at now, um, made me think that the right copy of that could be there. So if you're willing to uh, forgive for his last visit and his performances in Victoria, uh, you're going to be rewarded with reasonable odds, I think. Uh, better odds than what you would normally get for a horse that's got such a record. All right, good on you, Dan. Good to catch up, and uh, we'll talk to you later in the week. Yeah, look forward to it. Thanks very much, Sean.